Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Greetings. This is Jeff Thomas, your usual host for the Generous Business Owner Podcast. We have a little twist for you today. For episode number four, my co-host, Jeff Rutt, will interview me today. So, Jeff, good to see you, and thanks for doing this. And okay, so I'm moving over to the guest chair, and we'll let you take the reins from here. Okay, Jeff. So good to have you on the podcast today. Excited about uh, switching roles today. Uh, First of all, Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then, yeah, then give us a little bit of background, what what things were like for you growing up. Well, this is fun because we've shared our stories before. So it's sort of fun to share them with our listeners. You know, I grew up uh, mostly in St. Louis. Uh, My dad was a business guy engineer, MBA. And in his late 20s, his pastor asked him, uh, you know, have you ever thought about going to seminary? And my my joke with my dad was always, he probably asked every young man in in the church (laughs) that question, but he finally got somebody to say yes. And so my dad did that. And so he went back to school, actually became a pastor, and he did his, uh, his, his doctoral thesis on how to run the church more efficiently using business principles. And so he sort of became a little bit of a Mr. Fix-It for the Presbyterian Church. And as God would have it, you know, so I grew up in a great family. My dad was amazing. My mom was a school teacher. They were just uh, wonderful role models. We were around lots of people in ministry and missionaries and that kind of stuff. Just wonderful people in the church growing up. And but the people I kind of identified were my dad's business buddies that he would play golf with on Mondays. Mondays was his day off since Sundays he had to work. And uh, so, you know, I, I went into the business world and I kind of went in, I think, with a little bit of the wrong thought that uh, if you're in the business world, you're not in ministry. You support those people that are in ministry. So that's kind of how it uh, how growing up was. Yeah. So, Jeff, that's that's really interesting. That's a that, that was a different mindset. Tell us a little bit about what did you do right after college then? Yeah, so I got, I, I got an accounting degree from uh, Trinity University in San Antonio and uh, played tennis there. And it was, uh, I loved it because I was playing tennis in the winter in a bubble. You know something about uh, bubbles <laughs> probably in tennis in Pennsylvania. I got lots of stories about bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> it was the snow on the bubble. <laughs> and, and I got to San Antonio and it was 70 degrees and clear skies and they play tennis outside year round. So that's the place for me. And so I ended up getting an accounting degree, economics minor, and, and I went to work for a public accounting firm right out of school and did that for a couple of years and realized I really didn't want to do accounting for a living. But I had audited some broker dealers. And so Payne Weber gave me a job as an auditor for them. And so we existed in Houston as uh, kind of an arm of the compliance department out of New York. And we sort of took care of basically the Western half of the United States. So Went to about 150 different offices and learned a lot about the business and really started as an advisor about, yeah, really about, I guess it was about four years uh, after college. And luckily, I, 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 you know, I'd interviewed a lot of advisors. I knew the business. And so the business kind of took off when we started it. And, you know, we grew it for about five years, kind of built a little team there at, at, at Payne Weber. And then we, uh, you know, we sold it. 
basically. I mean, we switched firms or they sort of pay you to switch firms. We, we basically went over to Morgan Stanley in 2000 and they paid us a bunch of money. And, you know, I, I kind of got into about 10 years deep in the, in, in the career. And, you know, I was doing this thing that I thought I was supposed to do, kind of the American dream. You're making money. You're going to church. You know, it's all good. But I remember kind of getting to a certain point where I was like, what am I doing? So I had a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little, a little midlife crisis. So yeah. maybe yeah. I'll pause there. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's probably a lot of us in business that could relate to that. There's a lot of highs and lows. If you're out there today and you're in one of those highs or lows, you can probably relate to some of those. So it feels like whiplash sometimes. But yeah, tell us a little bit more about what was that low point like? And then how did you recover from that? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll never forget that period. You know, it, it's what I, it, it was sort of, you know, you're grasping for this brass ring, but the ring is always just a little bit out of the out of your grasp. And frankly, even if you catch it, it's not really all it was cracked up to be. I mean, true happiness and joy don't really come from financial achievements, quite frankly. And I didn't know what was wrong. I thought, man, I'm actually career-wise from the outside, it looks fine, but I was kind of an empty shell. I was like, what am I doing? I'm making rich people richer? I, 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 is this what I'm <laughs> going to do for 40 years? You know, It sounded terrible, but I didn't know. I literally didn't know where to find the joy. I, I did not know. I was stuck. And I I actually read, I was actually doing, and, and then I started having this sort of crisis of faith, actually, where I was like, do I only believe this Bible stuff because my dad did that for a living? And I was raised in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I had accepted Christ as an eighth grader. And I remember that being a meaningful thing, but I'd never really looked at anything else. So I actually started, it's kind of embarrassing, but I, but I actually started reading you know, all these world religion books and this sort of thing. And I actually got a hold of a, a book called The Case for Christ. A lot of our listeners probably have read by Lee Strobel. And uh, you know, he was this, uh, Lee and I are now friends, but he, he, he lives in Houston, but he, uh, you know, he was a pretty staunch atheist. And did a, did a lot of research as a writer for the Chicago Tribune. His wife became a Christian and he, she was kind of dragging him to church and he wanted that to stop. And so he said, I'm just going to investigate. He was an investigative reporter. I'm going to investigate and see if it's true. I'll disprove it to her and then we don't have to go to church anymore. And of course, instead of disproving it, he proved it to himself. So he was way more skeptical than I was. I got about two thirds of the way through the case for Christ. And I was like, uncle. Okay, I believe everything in the Bible. He did way more research than I'll ever do. I'm in. So I said, okay, well, maybe there are some, there's got to be some answers in this book. And so I started for the first time in my life, honestly, even though I was a pastor's kid and I've gone to church my whole life, I felt like I had kind of a second grader's knowledge of the Bible, to be quite Mm -hmm. frank, like what the little Mm -hmm. vignette stories are, but I didn't really understand how it all fit together. And so for me, for our listeners that are interested in doing Bible study, learning more, there's a lot of good ways to do it. I did Bible wow. study fellowship, you know, yeah. did it for seven years. You, 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 they kind of give you a little daily reading and you go to a group thing on Mondays. And that was helpful for me. I'm an old accountant, kind of a process guy. And so, you know, that really helped me. And what God revealed to me during that, that time, because again, remember, I didn't know what my problem was. I just knew I was empty. I didn't know what was supposed to fill it or what I was supposed to do differently. I thought maybe I need to change careers. I'm in this wealth management business. Do I need to be a pastor? Do I need to move to Africa? Do I need to go work for Hope International? What do I need to do? And what God revealed to me is he said, no, you're in the right job. 
-hmm. You just have the wrong priorities. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in these last couple episodes, we talked about a lot of scriptures and, you know, Alan, our, our co-host is not with us today, but you know, he, he's really good at quoting a lot of those scriptures about the risks of focusing on wealth. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. you've talked about some of those. And so I read all those and I, and it it hit me. I said, Oh my, it was kind of an ugly mirror image to be honest with you. Mm. I looked at that mirror Mm -hmm. and I said, Oh, I know what my problem is now. I was chasing mammon, worldly success, whatever that is. And Mm. yeah, I still had God in my life, but I was asking him to bless kind of my greedy dreams, to be quite frank. And uh, that is not a recipe for joy. And so I started, uh, I had to spend about a decade repenting of that and trying to get it right. That that, that was kind of ingrained in me for 10 years. And so that's, that, that was kind of the turn I tried to make. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of us, including probably a lot of listeners, whether you're out there driving in a car or running your, in your treadmill or walking the dog, a lot of us get pulled into that worldly secular view of, Hey, that's the focus. And that's what everybody else is doing. So it must be right. Tell us, Jeff, shift gears here. Tell us a little bit about the vision you had in, in around 2010. Yeah. So that story I kind of told you when I sort of had that empty feeling, that was probably around 2000, you know, about 10 years into my career. And then, you know, it was really kind of that seven year period. But so God just sort of worked on me, educated me, tried to get my behavior to match the head learning. So we started, my wife and I started giving away more money. And just a, just a vignette on that, my, my wife, I brought her this budget that was like way more giving than ever after I had this sort of heart turn. And, and I thought, well, you know, it's important to have marital unity, Jeff, in uh, marriage. So maybe she'll veto it and we don't actually have to give away that much money. <laughs> and uh, I, take I remember it to that her. in your book. Yeah. I remember you highlight that in your book. It's a yeah. And, uh, and she says, oh, well, that sounds great. Maybe we could give even more. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? So look, I have always been catching up to my wife. She's a huge blessing in my life and way more generous, has always been, will always be more generous than I am. So I am just constantly just trying to, she doesn't need to read all these books to have the faith she's got. Okay. I'm the problem child as clearly in the marriage. So that's been a joy, but we got to 2010. And then, so this is really after a decade of doing this study, changing our behavior. And I was sitting with a mentor of mine, a guy named Ron Blue. And, and, uh, and, you know, he had started a a firm and he said, you know, I can't believe this firm is uh, 15 offices, 50 million in revenue. And it it was, and this is why I wrote that book uh, that you're referring to called Trading Up, Moving from Success to Significance on Wall Street. This moment, I wish on everyone I know that this sort of moment of total clarity where I literally heard God say to me, not like audibly for the room, but he said, I want you to scale what this guy started. Hmm. And now that's, it's plain, but it's not super specific. You know, they didn't say start a company, hire these people, like, you know, go to this street. It was just a big picture vision. And I, and so like all my sort of 20 year career sort of uh, float around in my brain. I go, wow, that sounds like fun. I got all these opinions. At that time, I was on all these committees at Morgan Stanley. We had a very successful team there, but we had five people. So I said, God, that sounds like fun, but you got the wrong guy. I got five people. I've never scaled anything. Can't do it. And he go, and I, and it just like a sweet grandfather, you know how they sort of chuckle at you when they know the answer that you're trying to figure out. I was just like a loving grandpa. He, 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 I remember just felt him say to me, I know, I know you can't do it. That's why I'm giving you the assignment. I always pick people that can't do it. 
I'll do That's it. Awesome. You wake up and take instructions and give me the glory. And I go, I can do that. I can wake yeah. up and take instructions. So that's the path we've been on for the last 12 years. It's been the biggest riot of my life. So I, I am completely addicted now to God's path, not my own. My own led to emptiness. Yep. And his <laughs> led to this big project that's an adventure with him that I can't do on my own. And so that was, that was a big turning point uh, for me. That's awesome. That's awesome, Jeff. And yeah, we can, I know I can. I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to things that God's called us to that we had no idea what we didn't know. We didn't even know what we didn't know. And we didn't know that we didn't know what we didn't know, but God did. And we just sometimes just being obedient and following in that path is what we need to do. Uh, So when did you decide to launch Archetype? So what happened was when he said scale it, you know, this is a business owner focused podcast. So we probably have a lot of business owners that are going, well, why didn't you launch your own company? What's wrong with you? Well, I'm an old accountant. I try to de-risk the vision, okay? And he didn't say specifically. To, and we had some favor at Morgan Stanley, okay? And I had started this Christian focus group, you know, about 150 people. I was hosting like a little monthly uh, conference call, not unlike this is before podcast days, okay? But essentially a podcast. And, and I said, okay, I know what I'll do, God. I'll throw myself into this and let's see how far we can take the culture at a scaled firm. Maybe we can sort of take over the culture of this already scaled firm. And it didn't work. The short answer is it, it didn't work. Like most people, no, most things I try, they, they don't work. If God's plans only work, mine don't. But he gives us some room sometimes to run, do the best we can, and then adjust as he, as he gives us his direction. So there's probably people out there thinking that, well, I, he's not talking to me. Okay, well, do the Get up and do the best next thing you can in alignment mm-hmm. with his principles, mm-hmm. and he will make the adjustments. But just stay in contact, I would say. So for those people riding in the car or uh, you know walking the dog, walking around the neighborhood, I'm not hearing some big vision from God. Keep in touch. That could come mm-hmm. when you're 20 or when you're 80, like it did for yep. Moses. So it just happened to be at like 42 for me, but that's it's custom for all of us. So that it's available. So anyway, I was just doing that, and uh, we got it up to about 600 members. We got the group officially recognized. But the irony was the bigger we got, the more restrictive the firm became. And this isn't really a knock on Morgan Stanley. It's really all the big public companies. You know, the values tend to reflect who owns the company, and the public owns it. Not everybody is is, going to share the values that that we would espouse as as, uh, generous business owners. So Anyway, it didn't work. They banned Bible verses from print media and all this sort of thing. So it's okay. And I sort of, so I was sort of having that time. And this is another thing I think for our listeners where you're like, okay, God, I thought you told me to do this. It's not working. What do I do? And I, that's exactly the, and I I literally was mourning the loss of the vision. This Hmm. is not going to happen. And he goes, I didn't say it had to be there. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. now I got to go start my own deal. So, at 48, I, uh, it's never too late, people. It's never too late. Uh, I, I, think, I think the Kathy family started Chick-fil-A at 48, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, you know, and the good news is you've, you've made a lot of mistakes that you won't hopefully make again. The bad news is yeah, you're a little late to the party. So that was me. And we're five years into the business now. And, it, you know, it's just been a riot. There's no misunderstanding what the mission and vision are. You don't have sort of a separate mission and vision for a parent company to a team underneath that. So that's been a lot of fun. 
That's awesome. That's exciting stuff. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about as related to the, the title of our podcast, Generous Business Owners Podcast. But what what is uh archetypes plan for the future and how does generosity play into that? That's a great question. So one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is, you know, companies can't be Christian, right? So we, we mostly have Christians working here. We have 18 people now. We started with five, a little under five years ago. So it's growing. It's growing nicely. We think we have a nice foundation built and we want to, we don't have the cross in the front door. Now that's just a personal conviction. I'm not mad at people that do. Uh, I know your business doesn't, but, but I know how you behave and, and what your culture is. It's a God-honoring culture. People have values. Companies really don't. It's the total, sum total of all the people that work there that form the culture and, and live out the values and those things that you espouse. And so our vision is to build the ideal God-honoring wealth management company. Our mission is to connect people's money with their purpose and help families thrive across generations. So we do have God in our vision statement. We want to honor him with everything we do. And I've been thinking a lot. We, we have four values, 12 principles. I won't get into all that. We repeat the values every Wednesday at a firm-wide call. We did that today. We do a little devotional. So, you know, and I just gave a little talk last week at the Kingdom Advisors Conference around this idea of sort of kingdom versus world estate planning. And this is just an example. My sort of 30-second spiel on what we do is basically we're trying to create room for the Holy Spirit to work in people's finances. So like an estate planning as an example. So we think money touches investments, obviously, strategy, like your financial plan and estate plan, but also your family and your legacy. And we think that our industry has generally done a pretty poor job of having those discussions. They're decent on investments, some strategy, pretty weak on family and legacy. And as an example, in the estate planning process, we think people are really given a template where you just divide the, your net worth. So for the business owners that are listening, okay, whatever the business is, you, you've probably had a valuation done or you have a sense from your peers what it's worth. That plus all your liquid stuff. Okay, add up your net worth, divide by the number of kids. And the only question you get from the estate planning attorney is what age should the kids be full trustee of their trust? I mean, it's a bit of an oversimplification. There could be all kinds of entities and it's alphabet soup, but we think that almost everybody is kind of like David Green, who, who uh, founded Hobby Lobby. He tells a story about, you know, giving all the stock to his kids and grandkids and then having his quiet time on the porch on a Saturday morning right after he signed it all. And he's doing his quiet time and God says, hey, I own the tree. You're supposed to eat of the fruit. You're not supposed to give away the tree. And David's like, I, I literally just gave away the tree. Whoa, 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 what are you talking about? And he starts weeping and he actually has a family meeting and gets it all back. I mean, and that's a whole nother story. We'll have to have him on this podcast because he's an amazing guy. But I think, and actually it's borne out in the statistics. You and I talk about statistics a lot. Just yesterday, we were summarizing these statistics. 80% of the beneficiaries of trusts consider the trust to be a burden, not a blessing. 80%. It means 20% are happy with their trust. 10% of people that have done estate planning are pleased with their estate planning. 10%, one out of 10. So that feeling that David Green had on the, on the back porch, that discomfort, I call it the holy discomfort, that some, shouldn't we have had a more of a conversation? 
I don't know what it should be. We, we, we spent a bunch of money with the most fancy lawyers in town, but why do I have this discomfort? And what we would argue is you did not include God in the conversation. If he owns it all, then we should include him in our, all these discussions, including estate planning, including all financial decisions. And so we're just trying to create space. So three questions we'll ask people are, how much is enough for you? In other words, what's your finish line? This is something that our co-host, Alan Barnhart's amazing at. You're great at it too. You guys compare notes on how terrible your cars are. Okay, I can't quite compete. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow, slow down on the terrible. It's a good thing when you're at 311,000 miles. That's good. On what, That's what year? Oh, seven Camry. It's so <laughs> okay. So mine's a little newer. Okay. There's, there's nothing in the Bible that says what your uh, lifestyle is, but you should determine it. You should ask him what's appropriate for you. Okay. And so not a lot of people in my industry are asking that question. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to get into that stuff. But how much is enough for you? So setting a financial finish line, and then that's not an easy thing to do. You need God's involvement. You need your spouse if you're married. And then how much is enough for the kids, right? Also a difficult question that also takes spousal communication, prayer, maybe even discussion with the kids. And then, okay, assuming there's something left over, what do you do with it? And so we find that a lot of business owners, maybe like the people that are listening, if you've gotten the template where you just went in and divided your net worth by the number of kids you have, hey, if you've prayed about it and that's what God's telling you to do, Godspeed to you. Well done. Okay. Most people haven't because our industry does not do a good job of guiding those conversations. So we would simply try to have those conversations with people. And when you allow a generous God, the owner of everything, into those discussions, the odds of generosity happening with your finances go up exponentially. And I know from experience as a hoarder of the money, that was not that much fun. So maybe you're feeling that way. Like I'm doing, I, yeah, I'm doing okay. Or even if you're not killing it, but you're just feeling compelled that you should do more for those around you, you should pay attention to that inkling. I think God's trying to get your attention and he got mine. And so really I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where they got food. You know, we're on the path, Jeff, that uh, I know in the last couple episodes, we talked about you giving away your company, Alan giving away him. He inspired both of us. You inspire me. You guys are both ahead. We've given the first 10%. We're likely to do another 10% this year, and we're going to keep on that path until we get to the majority. And so really the whole thing is our, is our goal. There's, you know, there's always tricky things about it, SEC and all those things in our business. But anyway, we, we, we've got a path to do it. And so awesome. that, that's our idea. But that's not for everybody, like we've talked about. This is that's right. how the three of us have decided to do it. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's for every one of our listeners. Maybe that right. ship has sailed. Maybe you've already given the money to somebody else. We're not trying to prescribe anything. We're just trying to encourage. And I think that's kind of what this podcast is about: is that that encouragement, just to include God in this conversation. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Powerful. Powerful journey, Jeff. Tell us a little bit, what, what would you, if you had one practical tip to share with our audience who's, who's out there listening in, maybe has some questions there on this journey somewhere, or maybe they've not set a financial finish, finish line, or maybe they have, or maybe they're a low point, high point. What's, what's one practical tip that you would share with our, our I listeners? think I, I, it's interesting because we've talked about on this podcast, this is a question we really want to wrap things up with with most folks 
because we're trying to be, I mean, look, you, Alan, and me, none of us are doing this for a living. Okay. We're doing this to start a movement, to encourage business owners to think about generosity in their business. It's very countercultural. It's not talked about enough in our opinions. And so that was sort of the idea you and I talked about and Alan is what's a practical thing you could do? So I was actually thinking about this last night and I was thinking it's exactly kind of what you alluded to in this discussion, which was, hey, if you're out there walking the dog, riding in your car, you're sitting in your office, you got your headphones on or whatever while you're doing email or whatever it is, and you're going, I haven't heard from God. I mean, I, that's a bit of a radical story, okay? Your story from you know, milking cows to building six or 800 homes a year, whatever. I mean, thousands of homes. I mean, that might seem unattainable to people, okay? It is attainable, actually, to a lot of people. So I don't want to discourage them from that. And I don't want to think all this stuff's too high in the sky for them. So the thing I was thinking was kind of what you alluded to, which is simply waking up every morning. And God told me when he gave me this big vision, it's not all on me. In fact, very little, thank goodness, is on me. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, when I, the more I get involved, the worse it gets in terms of my human ideas. Okay. That are flawed and selfish and all of those things. I literally have a, I call it the business owner meeting every morning. So my practical tip, a lot of people in sort of Christendom call it quiet time. Okay. I get up, I read a little Bible. You know, I got different books I'll read, or maybe I'll just read the Bible in a year. I'm doing a little devotional that's got a little chapter of the Bible. Whatever it is, I usually read a little commentary. I like somebody else stirring it up a little bit for me. Don't always do that. Sometimes I just read the scripture and see what God says. And then I pray and I use ACTS, uh, uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Because I wake up thinking I'm going to solve everything for the day and want to go straight to asking him for stuff. That's what I want to do. So those other letters help me slow down. Okay. And uh, I'm like, you're an awesome God. I'm a mess. Thank you for yesterday, all the things you did yesterday. Forgive me for that one. I screwed up in that meeting at two o'clock. Let me be better. Okay. Okay. What we got today? Can you show up, please, and help me be better in the stuff I got today? And so I did not do that for the first 10 years of my career. There's a reason those first 10 years did not go as well as the last 20 have gone. It, I, I can purely identify it with frankly kind of avoiding him on that time. And as I've gotten out of the way and engaged him every morning, man, my blood pressure falls, my heart rate falls, my confidence rises, and I feel like miracles happen. All, just tiny little miracles, sometimes small, sometimes big, happen every other day. I mean, it, it's weekly. It's so much more fun. So I didn't want to do things God's way because I thought mine would be more fun. Maybe you're, maybe you're feeling that way out there. Maybe you got a little angst about that. Just take it from us. I know you're ahead of me on this, Jeff, but it's way more fun being on God's agenda. So I, he's so creative. I don't want to limit him to give you any specific thing. That's how I felt led last night and today. I just want to encourage people to, you know, schedule it. I would have told you I probably didn't have time for it. Well, I had time to go to the gym, but I didn't have time for that. I mean, it, I, if I got to choose between the two, I'm having my business owner meeting. If I look at him as the owner every morning. And to me, that's the magic. It sounds kind of simple, 
but it's hard to schedule that stuff. You have to get up early. You know, you got to do it. For me, it only works in the morning because I got to get my head straight for the day. I'm a mess by noon if I haven't done it. So anyway, my, my practical tip is really this quiet time thing and speaking to the owner of our businesses, specifically for business owners, and ask them about all those questions you have. And yeah. you're not going to get every answer every day specifically, but you're going to be on the right track. Yeah, that's awesome, Jeff. And, and I, what I hear you saying is, as well, you may not receive a three-page strategic plan every morning, but it could be one, like, like you said, the next best thing, one step in front of the other, taking those, listening to God, taking that, what those cues from the business owner, and just taking one step at a time. That's well, good stuff. Jeff, well, really appreciate uh, this. Was, this was fun. I need to be the interviewer more often. Like this uh, is fun being over here in this chair. Well, listen, uh, I'm, I'm gotta, so thrilled to be on this journey with you. We're, go, we're going to have a bunch of fun doing this Yes, in, in the coming time. We've got a list of people, obviously, we're, we're, we're going to be contacting and doing. And, and so, hey, thanks yeah. for doing it, Jeff. And, yeah, the uh, other, just as we wrap up here, I think the other thing that just to go back to one thing that you said yeah. that I think really stands out to me is because I love stats and stories. I uh, love you sharing your heart on some of the stories and, the, you know, the low points and the high points. but you know, the 80% of yeah. uh, beneficiaries of a trust considered it a burden. That tells me that some of the things that we have journeyed through are probably, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a void out there for others to, you know, to be, you know, heading down that same journey. So as, as you said, we're just uh, one beggar showing another beggar where we found food. And uh, it's, it's, I agree. It's going to be a fun, fun journey to be on. I know for me personally, it's, it's added a lot of clarity to my life. I think you've described it as being, you know, energizing and fun and, and yeah, let's, let's stay on this journey together. If you're, if you're listening in today, we'd uh, encourage you to check out another episode as we uh, travel on this journey together. Thanks, Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.